0: You're listening to the Big Show with George Russick and Maddie Rose
1: on Sportsnet
0: 960 The Fan.
1: Welcome back. Last hour of the Big Show, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. Calgary Flames game day. They're back at it after their holiday break. They welcome division rivals, the Seattle Kraken to the Dome tonight, 6.30 for the pregame. game, 7.30 puck drop, uh, where you're going to hear this man, uh, Derek Wills, voice of the Flames here on Sportsnet 960, joining us on this Wednesday. Hope your Christmas was good, buddy. How you doing?
0: Good morning, yeah. Happy holidays to you and all our listeners. It was uh, a short break, but a good break. Flames would have preferred to go into the break for the win, but... We talked a lot about that uh, gauntlet. They had the 15 games Mm -hmm. before the Christmas break, and I give them credit. Uh, Sure, they would have liked to have had a better record than they had a chance to uh, that second-to-last road trip where they held the lead in the third period of all three games and lost all three games. I think left a bit of a bitter taste in their mouth, but they finished above 500 during that 15-game stretch, and now they've put themselves in a position where they're still in the fight for a playoff spot when they've got two home games left. Before the end of 2023 and an opportunity to do something that they haven't done since early in the season and that's get to uh, above 500 in the win-loss column if they can beat the Kraken tonight and then the Flyers on New Year's Eve so they're not in the position they want to be in, but they're in a lot better position than they were uh, at the end of October.
1: Uh, agreed completely, and uh, it, it has shown that, uh, you know, 4-4-2, four, four maybe not the most consistent play, but it was a gauntlet, and uh, for what this roster is, I think, you know, fair fair to them. They've, they've done all right, uh, but yeah, we talked, you talked about it, Like you crack it tonight, Flyers on New Year's Eve, and then it's four on the road, like, like how... How big is it for yeah. this club if they have any any hope in hell of wanting to be in the postseason come April? Just how big is it just to have these two games and have that over five hundred before you head out to that road trip? You're going to see Connor Bedard for the first time as well on that trip, so you know I think getting the, getting four points might be might be really good if they want to have to any chance of making the playoffs.
0: Well, I think just for their mindset, to be quite oh, honest yeah. with you, because th- this is a team that really put themselves behind the eight ball. Uh, they were awful in October and maybe we should have expected them to struggle a little bit. A new general manager, new head coach, Mm -hmm. lots of new players, a new way of playing in the defensive zone. But I'm not sure anybody saw 2-7-1 coming. Um, October was a struggle, but since the first 10 games, this is a team that's above 500, four games above 500, which isn't something to write home about, but that would certainly uh, put them in a much better spot if, if they had that point percentage. From the start of the year until now so uh, they've been trying to climb out of a hole they dug themselves into in october and have done a decent job of that but uh, the one thing that they haven't been able to do is get above 500 they've been back to 500 two or three times but not above 500 it's like get there and then lose one or two or three and then you're trying to get back there again so you've had an opportunity to get back to 500 tonight against a beatable Kraken team that you want to keep below you in the Western Conference standings, you can't afford to have any more teams between you no. and that second wild card spot. The number of points you're out is one thing. I think a bigger thing is the number of teams between you and that spot. Because if you're chasing one team and you've got to, you've got to make up four or five or six points, well, if you've got some head-to-heads against that team, I think it's easy enough to do that. But when you're trying to catch two or three or four teams, then you have to hope that you go on a streak and that those three or four teams struggle like a bunch of things have to happen so you got to keep the kraken behind you Uh, the flyers have had a decent season but they're a beatable team so get to above 500 and i think that would be huge just for their their mindset Mm -hmm. going on that four game road trip it's something they talked about before the break you know they wanted to to finish on a strong note, uh, and they had a good homestand, beat two good teams and the Lightning and the Panthers, and you go on the road and you beat, let's be honest, a pretty bad Ducks team, but you beat them pretty handily, yeah. and, and you were right there with the Kings. The, the problem is, and maybe this goes back to the month of November where the Flames had all those come from behind wins, but... Uh, You you can't keep falling behind good teams and expecting to battle back and pick up a point or two. And the Flames learned that lesson in their final game before the Christmas break against a really good Kings team. So win these next two games, get above 500, put yourself in a better spot, and and try to go on the road and win three or four. And you got to pick up some momentum here. you got to string some wins together. It can't be win three, lose two for the rest of the season. That's not going to be good enough at this point.
1: Uh, talk to me about Blake Coleman. Uh he's you know leading the team in points, goals. Obviously, you know, maybe not not expected from this type of player, but you know, what have we seen from this guy? He's playing, you know, not top line minutes, but he's third in the team in shots. He obviously like I said mentioned leads leads the team in goals and points. Like how important is like where would this team be without Blake Coleman?
0: Well, first of all, who thought we would be asking ourselves that question? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Right? I mean, we're we're not talking about a good week or a good month here. We're talking about him potentially being the team's most valuable player as we approach uh, 2024. Uh, I love Blake Coleman as a person and as a player, but I've got to be honest, I didn't see this coming. Now, Blake has said that this is the first time that he's felt a hundred percent, or close to a hundred percent in the number of years. And I, I'm not sure that any of us realize how much long Stanley cup playoff runs can take out of a player because, you know, that two month grind, it's physically and mentally taxing. And then on top of it, you've got a short off season that follows. So you don't have uh, the time to, to rest and recover that you would if you didn't make the playoffs or went out and run one, two or three. And he did that two years in a row. So I'm not sure that he's been 100% in, until this season since joining the Flames. He's been a good player since joining this team, but he has taken it to a whole new level. I, in a million years, wouldn't have predicted that you know this deep into the season, 34 games into the season, that Blake Coleman would be leading the team in goals with 12 and tied with Nazem Kadri for the team leading points with 24. And you also look at his plus-minus rating. He's a team best plus 11. And that's despite the fact that he's playing on a line with Michael Backlund and right now Jonathan Huberdell, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but a line that quite often and more often than not, I would say, gets the toughest matchups because they're the best line defensively. So they're put on the ice whenever Ryan Huska has a chance to get them on the ice against the other team's top players and way more defensive zone starts than offensive zone starts. So you, you have to be good in your own end to get the puck to the other end of the ice, and then you've got to do your damage once you get there. So his start to the season has been incredibly impressive. And I know he doesn't wear a letter, but he's also one of the many guys in that room that leads by example. And he has a bigger voice in the room, I'm told, this season than he has the last couple. So yeah, he's been great for this team. And if, if we were to pick a midseason MVP, I think he would certainly be top three on most people's ballots.
2: What have you made of the the impact of the the kids so far this year? I know that was a, a focus for a lot of fans, and then Craig Conroy mentioned that specifically when he was introduced as the team's GM. Um, from from my vantage point, so far so good. Uh, but from from where you've been sitting, uh, what what have you made of the the kids' impact so far on this team?
0: Hi, Peter Klein. Hi. Happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays <laughs> to you as well. Um... Well, uh, as my broadcast partner Megan Mickelson uh, nicknamed them, the Cadre and the Kids line has been fantastic. Uh, Connor Zeri, I haven't checked since the break, but um, I was checking every game before the break. Uh, he was second in the NHL in rookie points per game behind the other Connor Bedard, the first overall pick. So you know he has been incredibly impactful with the puck for sure. You look at the, the seven goals and seventeen points he has in his first twenty-four career NHL games, and it's funny. Uh, it's funny to hear coaches and players say that they didn't expect it, but both Ryan Huska and Connor Zary have said they didn't expect it. They didn't expect him to be this impactful offensively this early in his NHL career. And he might be one of those rare guys. And I spent 13 years calling AHL games, and this is my 10th year calling NHL games. It It is fairly rare for a guy to actually be better in the NHL than in the AHL, but it does happen because you're playing with better players it's a more structured game and it really does seem to suit Connor area skill set and there has barely been a drop off normally with first-year players they hit a bit of a wall at some point point. and i would say there was a two or three game stretch where it looked like he hit a bit of a wall but he was also battling something so maybe he didn't hit a wall it was just an injury related thing so he has been awesome he's brought a lot of energy to the team i would say that he is partly responsible for getting Nazem Kadri going offensively. If you look at uh, Kadri's splits before Zeri and after Zeri, there's a big difference there, a huge difference there. So, you know, he's been uh, really impactful for his centerman. And the guy on the other side of the line, I I like him because he can be uh, an impactful player even when he's not scoring goals and producing points. Martin Pospisil uh, plays with a pace and with a physicality and with an edge that... This team doesn't have a lot of him. They don't have a lot of those types of players. So I think he creates time and space for his teammates by getting in there in the forecheck and banging and crashing. I'm not sure if he still leads the team in hits, but he uh, led the team in hits when I looked last week. So, you know, those two guys have been really good. And you've got uh, not as young age-wise, but you've got some defensemen that have really chipped in as well. Um, Nick DeSimone scores his first NHL goal at the age of 29. He's not young. Uh, based on his birthday, but he's young based on his NHL experience. And, you know, he's done a good job playing on that third pairing. And I would say the same about Dennis Gilbert. And you've got some guys still playing for the Calgary Wranglers who I think if the flames go down the road of a retool or a rebuild, we're going to see before the trade deadline. And I think it's only a matter of time before Matt Coronado comes back up and you know, we see if he can start to score some goals at the NHL level like he has at the AHL level and like he did at the college level. And uh, even Jeremy Poirier, uh, young offensive defensemen are hard to find. And I think the Flames have one. So I'm kind of anxious to see him at the NHL level as well. And who knows, we could see Adam Klapka as well. You know, he's a big guy with a good skill set. And then, of course, there's Dustin Wolf. Now, they've got to make room for him in some way, shape, or form. But uh, the young guys, uh, it's good to see that pipeline flowing between the Wranglers and the Flames. Because let's be honest, guys, it hasn't flown like this uh, in quite some time for this organization.
2: No, absolutely not. And flown uh, or
0: flowed? Uh I oh. Flowed. Boy.
2: Flowed? I think flow. Flow. Fl- yeah, so I'm going to go with flowed. Uh, <laughs> well, ha- however, however, their flow is. um it, It's been going pretty good so far for Calgary. Uh, one of the things that I've appreciated is, is how Coach Huska has kind of handled things. Like, I think a lot of times with and, and like we t- you talked about before, whether it's a retool or rebuild, I think a lot of times it's just like, okay, kids go out there and play, and whatever happens, happens. But I, I like that if Zari's having an off game, he takes a, a seat for the third period. And Pospisil was a, a healthy scratch a, a few games ago, um, and th- they both responded. Tremendously, and, and kind of knew what they were supposed to do, yes. and got back to it. So I like that there's been uh, accountability from the coach, and I like that it's been responded to positively by by the players as well.
0: Hundred uh, percent, he holds everybody to I wouldn't say the same standard because I'm not sure there's a coach in this league that holds established veteran players to the same standards that they hold first year players. But when you look at uh, well, the ten years that I've been calling Flames games. Sean Monaghan was a healthy scratch. Johnny Gaudreau was a healthy scratch. Uh, Sam Bennett was a healthy scratch. Matthew Kachuk was a healthy scratch. And I I think it's an important lesson to, to teach players earlier in their career. And sometimes it doesn't hurt to give them a bit of a break mentally and physically, and to allow them to watch from our vantage point up in the press box, because the game looks a lot different from up there than it does at ice level. And I certainly was reminded of that when I had a chance to call the Heritage Classic from ice level it is so much faster and there is so much less space when you're watching the game from ice level than when you're watching it from 80 or 100 feet away in a broadcast booth or a press box. So, you know, having that vantage point, I think, can be helpful for the players as well. But I really like the way that Ryan Huska has managed the bench in games. Uh, He's got a really good feel for who's going and who's not. And he hasn't been afraid to sit even his highest paid players like he did with Jonathan Huberto for a third period or or his young guys like he has with with Martin Pospisil and I think on one occasion Connor Zeri but Zeri's been pretty darn consistent so uh, that's not uh, a road he's had to go down all that often but yeah he has not been afraid to go down to three forward lines Um, and there are a couple of guys who have fairly regularly sat on the bench in the third period and again we talked about the young players and, and the internal competition that they've created, I think it's allowed the head coach to, to send those types of messages. Because when you don't have that pressure from the bottom, so to speak, and you don't have any players that you can turn to when you want to send a message to uh, one or two or three other guys, then I think it puts you in a tough spot. So I think he's done a really good job managing the bench and, and managing his players. And uh, I think that helps build a culture, which is what the Flames are trying to do right now.
1: Uh, f- talking with Derek Wills, voice of the Calgary Flames, you'll hear him tonight as the Flames host the Seattle Kraken, 7.30 puck drop, we'll be on there at 6.30, uh, with your Flames Talk pregame. Uh, Derek, th- the Flames are currently 4-6-1 in the month of December, like we mentioned, you go, you win two games here, you're 500, you're likely maybe a wild card team heading into the new year. I, I just want to say, like, what does this team need to do in the month of January to maybe because like, January, I feel like it's got to be the decision month. This is the month where you're going to be like, okay, are we in it or are we out of it? Because I don't think they can go into the month and play another 500-type month and really seriously think about playoffs. At that point, I'm thinking, okay, we have to start wondering, what are we going to do with Hannafin? Or what are we going to do with Tanev? Or what are we going to do with yeah. Lindholm?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure outside of them going on a crazy run. Because January's or, a tough month. A you got Vegas in or there. Seven in a row or, yeah. yeah, win. Yeah, Yeah. win 8 out of 9 or 8 out of 10, that it's going to have a huge impact on what the the team does with those uh, pending unrestricted free agents. But I would say the January schedule's a lot easier than December's schedule. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Wild are a good team, uh, a team you're going to be fighting with for a playoff spot. Same can be said about the Predators. Coyotes twice. Uh, The Flyers are a beatable team. The Blackhawks, I know that they've got Connor Bedard, but they're very beatable. Uh, The Senators have had an absolutely awful season howdy has been pretty good, but beatable. Golden Knights, they're one of the best teams in the league, but when you look at the Flames' record against them the last couple of years, Flames have been really good mm-hmm. against the defending Stanley Cup champions. Coyotes, again, Maple Leafs are a really good team. Uh, can't believe it's been so long since we've seen the Oilers. It yeah, was a Heritage Classic <laughs> back in October, so we see them for the first time on home ice coming up on January 20th, and then the Blues, the Blue Jackets, and the Blackhawks. I mean... January is not the gauntlet that December was. So you've got to make some hay in the month of January. And I know for a fact, uh, regardless of what some fans want to do or uh, what management might want to do, these coaches and players, they're not interested in a rebuild or a retool if they can avoid one. They're not. They want to win hockey games, and they want to make the Stanley Cup playoffs and give themselves a shot to make some noise and pull off some upsets, kind of like the Blues did back in, in 2019. So they're gonna continue to compete, which is something outside of two or three games this season, you have not been able to question with this team. Their work ethic, for the most part, has been really, really good, even when their execution hasn't been. But yeah, they're going to have to go, I think they're gonna have to play at least 650 hockey in the month of January to put themselves in a spot where they're in a playoff spot going to February and putting some pressure on on the management group to try to re-sign these guys. I mean, the one thing they can't do, fellas, they cannot let Elias Lindholm and Noah Hanifin walk away for nothing no. they can't so if you can't resign those guys whether it's your decision not to resign them or their decision not to resign or you just can't come to an agreement you have to move them but it if they go down that road it might it might make a difference what type of deal they they do um, it could be all futures if you think you're you're going to rebuild or it could be well, we're going to trade you a really good established NHL player for a younger NHL player in his early 20s and maybe some other picks and prospects. It could be that type of deal. And those are the types of deals that I'd like to see Craig Conroy make if he has to trade these guys. I kind of like the deal he made for Tyler Toffoli. You know, yeah. Flames bringing and Yeager Sharon Govich, who I would argue has been one of their best players over the last month, month and a half, and they get a third round pick in that deal. So that's a good deal for both teams. And I think one that two years from now could look better for the Flames than it does for the Devils. So, yeah, it's it's a really important month, fellas. 500 is not going to cut it anymore. They got through the gauntlet of December. January, for me, uh, presents some better opportunities for them to to win hockey games and put themselves in a better spot. They got to get the job done.
1: Uh, just just one back-to-back coming up in the month of January. I know I hate I hate looking ahead at stuff, but it's like I'm trying to figure out trying to – Will you, there be a time for Dustin Wolf to get back in here at some point? Or is this like the way the schedule breaks down, this is going to be a heavy Markstrom month?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be a heavy Markstrom month, probably. Uh, I mean, he's playing the best he has since yeah. he was uh, a finalist for the Vezina Trophy a couple of years ago. And I'm not even sure the numbers really tell the story with him. He's been really good in almost every game he's played in this season. And uh, he's given them a chance to win, which is what I asked from a goaltender. And... You know, Dan Vladar's numbers don't look good at all. So I do think that, again, we talked about a healthy competition earlier. I think that Dustin Wolf uh, creates some healthy competition for Dan Vladar, And I would be surprised if the Flames didn't make a move between now and the trade deadline that opened up the spot for Dustin Wolf, even Mm -hmm. if they're still trying to compete for a playoff spot. Um, And... I hate to say those types of things because Dan Bladar is a, a great guy and he's a good NHL goaltender, a good number two in this league. But when you've got arguably the top goaltending prospect in the sport uh, who has accomplished everything outside of winning a Calder Cup that you can accomplish in the American Hockey League, at some point in time, you've got you've to make room for him. So, And you've got to see if he can be at the NHL level what he's been or something close to what he's been at the AHL level. So... Uh, Yeah, I I think they do have to to figure out how to make that happen, whether that be, you know, bringing him up and and playing him a couple games. Maybe maybe you go on a road trip and you want to give Jacob Markstrom a bit of a breather because the coaches have talked about him being at his best when he's well rested. So if you've got a tough road trip uh, and you want to leave him home uh, and you take Dan Vladar and Dustin Wolf and get him some starts that way, I think there's different ways to do it outside of a trade. but. Uh, eventually, I do think uh, a trade will likely happen, and if it's not before the trade deadline in March, then I think I suspect that deal happens before the start of next season.
1: Uh, your Miami Dolphins—that was a big win over the Dallas Cowboys there oh. on uh, on Sunday. Uh, they got themselves, you know, another big one against the Baltimore Ravens this Sunday. Uh, first seed still, still, still there, but you got to beat Baltimore. Uh, your thoughts on your fins?
0: I mean, th- this is the best team they've had since I started cheering for them in 1984. Now, we'll we'll see where it leads, but this is the most talented team. Maybe I should phrase it that way. <laughs> yes. But that was a nerve-wracking yeah. game on uh, Christmas Eve uh, because – the Dolphins hadn't beat a team with a winning record all season. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, how everybody was able to knock them. But the same uh, could be said about the Cowboys. So it was a big game for both teams. The Cowboys were trying to bounce back after a bad loss to the Bills. They were trying to to win on the road, which they've struggled to do. And they put up a heck of a fight. But, you know, it's, it's funny. I didn't think Jason Sanders, of all guys, uh, <laughs> Miami's kicker, would be the hero. Uh, because he was 6 for 16. From fifty plus yards the last two years. Yeah, it's been a rough. And then he nails guys. three fifty yarders to set a franchise record in one game and kicks two other field goals. And by the way, I picked him up uh going into uh, my fantasy football semifinal. Oh and he had twenty-two points in one B that game. So uh yeah, go. that was a savvy move on my <laughs> part. But uh I mean if if Tua beats Lamar, if the Dolphins beat the Ravens, this could not only be a battle for the number one seed in the AFC; it could be battle for MVP. Yeah, no, as because two, I would... Tua just beat Dak. Yep. And and Brock just got his butt kicked by Lamar. So yeah, I, I can't wait for this game. So I'm going to have to do my prep on Christmas Eve Eve for the most part because the Dolphins play on Christmas Eve, but then the Flames play at, on Christmas Eve at, at 6 p.m. against the Flyers. New Year's Eve. So I want to try to watch that game in the afternoon. Yeah, sorry, New Year's Eve. I want to try to watch the game. Uh, before I head to the game so I'm gonna to have to, to figure out that but yeah I'm excited about my Dolphins it's been a it's been a fun year but ultimately if they don't win some playoff games uh yeah it's not gonna matter
1: yeah it looks like they'll be hosting one so that'll be that'll be pretty cool though as well so yeah I'm excited watching these fins and I'll be excited to watch the flames over these last two games in 2023 and see if they can get above 500 Derek thank you so much uh we'll listen to you tonight buddy
0: yeah, thanks for having me on, guys, and happy holidays again.
1: Yes, happy holidays and all the best in the new year for you as well. There you go. There's Derek Wills. There you go, Derek Wills, uh, voice of the Calgary Flames. Uh, you'll hear him tonight. Uh, Flames and Kraken come your way. Uh, 6.30 pregame, 7.30 puck drop right here on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Uh, some NFL news uh, will come around the break. We'll talk about it uh, when we come back. A couple new quarterbacks will be starting on Sunday as we close down uh final half hour here on the big show uh, here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Closing things down here on the big show. You have one more hour to go, though, I guess, with GBP and Shan where they'll, uh, they'll spitball some things. Uh, some news. We got some news. Blue Jays news. Lots of news. Yeah. Blue Jays uh, made their second signing of the offseason. Uh, looks like run prevention is the name of the game again for this Blue Jays team. As they've signed one of the better defensive infielders, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, on a two-year, fifteen million dollar deal, uh, pending physical, includes a one million dollar performance bonuses. He was Gold Glover in 2020. Not going to like the like the 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 charts up offensively. No, but he is uh, definitely a, a a glove you can rely on at almost any position around the diamond infield, maybe a little outfield. He played a little left and right as well. Uh, with the Yankees and his time with the Rangers as well, but uh, the Jays make another signing. This probably takes them out of Matt Chapman,
2: I would assume. I I, I don't know. I this one's confusing to me because they already have like three of him. Like that they they, yes. are, they already have like he's right-handed. Cavan Biggio, but they already have right-handed Cavan Biggio and Santiago Espinal, uh-huh. and also cheaper of both of them in Davis Schneider. Um, so <laughs> this one. This one's re- like, I I liked IKF when he was with Texas. Um, I, I like the versatility of him being able to play catcher and also shortstop and third base. Um, he hasn't caught in a while. And like defensively, yeah, he's fine. He played uh, center field, left field, third base, right field, second base, shortstop. And he pitched four innings last <laughs> year for the Yankees. Uh, so, I mean, hey, we got- He does it we, all. We got discount Shohei. Um, but <laughs> I, um, I, I'm concerned with how- Happy Yankee fans were to get him out of uh, out of the Bronx. Yeah, there's not um, not a lot
1: of positive. If you've if you watched this guy, it's like yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a utility bat, but this is not a not a needle mover at all. No,
2: so I. I- to me, it means uh, something else is coming. Like I, I, if he's the starting third baseman for the blue Jays next year, um, either they went out and got like Corey Seager to play second (laughs) um, or like they've made something else big has happened or just things have really gone sideways. But because
1: this is essentially just uh, uh, maybe a, a, I don't want to say like a, Discount Whit Merrifield, but he's he's just yeah, essentially is the same same type of player. If you were to bring back Whit Merrifield,
2: yeah, we we don't need to buy Whit Merrifield. We have a Whit Merrifield at home. Exactly, uh, he, he exactly. is he is that. So yeah, like I, he, he he's a fine utility player. Um, and, and he's gonna like he he's good coming off of the bench. But I I hope this doesn't stop them from doing something else. Like to me, he is a a fine bench piece. But um, if they are locked in with the, the outfield that they have it's so clear that improvement has to come somewhere on this team and you're running out of places to do it. And quite frankly, there isn't the player to do it. I don't think at second base. So uh, unless there's a move coming that, that kind of seems out of nowhere that this one's really confusing to me, to be honest.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's a move where like, again, yeah, it's, it's like, there's still, there's still a lot of, you know, bigger name free agents out there still like that. I don't know how much you're in on a Justin Turner or even an Evan Longoria at his age. Yeah. Um,
2: to play that third base. Like maybe a like I, if they're looking for an offensive boost, maybe a JD Martinez as your DH? JD but... Martinez is obviously one that's I think that I,
1: I think would probably be the guy that I would want as that DH, just because, you know, like he knows the Rogers Center well from his time in Boston and, yeah. and whatnot. It, it's just it is confusing. Like there's a lot of names still out there, but that's just how funny baseball is that we've kind of just like wow like mike clevenger or like you know joey gallo or you know teoscar hernandez is still out there and yeah uh, aj pollock uh you know some good pitchers as well but it's just how funny baseball is how you can have you got a great career five years but then you go to sleep for two three years and you're not 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 up to snuff anymore and you're you're still looking for a job as we we head into 2024 uh there's a lot of names out here that they're still like the former Blue Jays or linked to the Blue Jays. I don't know. It is not a needle mover for sure, but it is the second signing. I like the bring back Kevin Kiermaier. Love that yesterday. Yeah. Um we'll see. IKF and-
2: and we don't know, like, Springer was banged up quite a bit last year. Yeah. Maybe, like, maybe if they are still in Bellinger sweepstakes, like, maybe Springer is more, like, they, they cycle through DH. Mm-hmm. Like, that That didn't seem like the plan this offseason, but maybe given how things have kind of shaken out, maybe they pivot to still having the DH spot just available for um, a Springer to take a day off. And you put, like, a, if you do bring in a Bellinger, you put, like, just have an outfield of three center fielders across and do it that way. So, like, maybe that's it, but this is it's definitely still an incomplete offseason for toronto at yeah, least i hope and
1: it, 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 it there still has to be some moves i would assume like you know if you have to i don't know it feels like once they were were out on shohei and obviously they didn't have uh Juan soto is like they didn't have a have a third plan and maybe that third plan was just running it back with the same crew we obviously have a, a top five pitching unit yeah in major league baseball and you're hoping that uh can get back to to where it was as well but you need more from Vlad, obviously. You need yeah. more from the, the offensive guys that you have.
2: But I still... Well, and that's, that, that's the big piece. Sorry to interrupt. But th- no, that I'll is it. the big piece. It, it's like the, the biggest offseason acquisition mm. would be MVP Vlad again, right? Like mm-hmm. if he gets back to, to where he was when he was competing with Shohei yep. for MVP. 2021. Then then this team is going to, to kind of get back there. But even, even if they go out and get Bellinger and J.D. Martinez, if Vlad Guerrero Jr. is still 266 with 25 bombs,
1: probably than the, the, more of the this team
2: that this team isn't going to go anywhere like he specific like it, it's a lot to put on one player but he specifically needs to be better for, mm. for this team to to make any noise so yep. bring in your ikfs and whoever but that needs to be the guy who gets this thing back on track for toronto
1: uh two years away from uh ufa status and i'm sure the jays are probably okay with paying him less than 300 million now <laughs> yeah which is probably what he's going to get uh but that's uh that's your jays signing. Uh, A couple NFL quarterback changes of note. Uh, Tommy DeVito, your time in the sun is over. You were benched again officially as Tyrod Taylor is now the starting quarterback for the New York Giants over these final two weeks. Um, You know, it was a nice story. I'm sure there's there's still more coming from Tommy DeVito. He was an undrafted quarterback. He is a rookie this year. And uh, I mean, his coming out party was against one of the worst defenses in the NFL (laughs) in the Green Bay Packers. Um, but yeah, no. Uh they moved to Tyrod Taylor. Uh the Tommy DeVito Time in the Sun, like I just said. We'll see if he's still out doing appearances yeah. in, in North New Jersey.
2: Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold my breath on on those. I wouldn't be working that into their budget no. if I were the, the DeVito. He, he got his sauce out last week. Yeah.
1: Capitalize on your 15 minutes while well, you still can.
2: Yeah. No, he'll he'll be a, a radio analyst for uh, New York Giants <laughs> something three years from uh, now. WFAN uh, Tommy DeVito. Yeah, exactly. So. But not like in a good spot. Like he'll he'll get the evening when there isn't a Yankee game spot. Um, but no, like I think this makes sense for the Giants. Like DeVito, well while, while it was cute. He's not the guy next year.
1: And it's still you, Daniel Jones, and that's scary.
2: Yeah, it's still probably Daniel Jones. But I, I think um, Taylor coming in lets you evaluate what else you have, right? Like, it's it's tough to get a read on Wondale Robinson when every pass is behind him. Yeah. And uh, same thing with, with uh, Slayton. And really, that defense as well, when, when you're being forced to go out there mm-hmm. after three plays every time mm-hmm. it's tough to know what you have out there so i think taylor gives them a bit of a steadying force to see what they actually have in the rest of this team yeah it's a team that they were a playoff team last year they won a round. yeah they had an awful schedule year <laughs> or, uh, like <laughs> awful in a great way for yeah. them like the, the teams they played were awful they last got the year. vikings in the playoffs
1: and that helped yeah that, that really did oh <laughs>
2: uh,
1: yeah and then uh this washington commanders they've moved from uh from uh sam howell Mm-hmm. To uh oh my god, I'm just drawing a blank uh, out. Uh, Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby There you yeah. go. Uh Jacoby came in last week as well uh, after Howell was benched. This is a player that I think a lot of people thought, hey, this might be a guy in a piece, but this is a team Washington. This is a they they're gonna have a top five pick. They're probably gonna land one of the quarterbacks. Um, be it, you know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, or be it Jaden Daniels, the Heisman Trophy winner in LSU. Yeah. They're going to have a new quarterback behind, uh, be it Sam Howell, or if they go out and get a veteran next year. Uh, but Ron Rivera won't be coaching them next year. know Josh Harris, Magic Johnson, that ownership, they're going to want to put their print uh, on Washington and get that stank that's been out of there for, you know, 15 years going on, plus, um, you know, probably since Joe Gibbs left. It's it's been a bad time there in Washington. This is a Since spot. Gibbs left the first time. First, Gibbs, yeah, they, they at least had a Super Bowl after that. Uh, but no, this is a this is a team that it's likely going to be a favorite if Bill, Bill Belichick does find his way into a coaching job next year. That's not New England. Mm-hmm. Washington's probably a spot that's going to want to have him as, as their number one. They're going to
2: spend a lot of money to, yeah, to try to. do And I that. think
1: uh, you know, Bill. He lives on the East Coast. He lives in Nantucket. You know, you know, DC's close enough. It's and this is why I think. He probably also wants to go to a place that has an establishment, like and has a has a has a fan base behind him. This is why him going to L.A. to be a Chargers head coach, I don't think would work. I, yeah. I just don't think there's the, that football culture. It's not there. Like they're they're a road team. They play eight seventeen road games. Yeah, it's it, it's bad, and I don't think even like Bill Bill Belichick would bring in. Uh, the fans to to L.A. because it's just not a football town either no. way. But that's where I think Washington's gonna go with with Bill Belichick if he does shake out of New England. Yeah, but that is a team that's gonna be moving forward with a with a new quarterback that's been struggling for so long trying to find that quarterback.
2: Yeah, I love. The idea that Belichick, like if they pull off the upset against the Bills here, just keeps winning and moving them out of spots to, to draft these quarterbacks. Like <laughs> oh, I yeah, just, no Caleb Williams like, or
1: Drake May for you.
2: Yeah, because they were yeah. already in a top two spot. Yeah. Now they're they're drafting third tied with Washington right now. Yeah, um, God, this has been like uh, I spent all day Saturday, Sunday watching NFL and all of it or Sunday Monday or whatever it was. Uh, none of the days actually mattered. It was the holidays, <laughs> they but they all blend together. There's been some dreadful football this year. Like I, I have, I, I love that the the Raiders are still in the playoff hunt. Raiders are a bad football team. It's Raiders should not 3-0 be in the playoffs. Two hunt. weeks ago, yeah, three yeah. weeks ago, they they won a game completing zero passes in the second, third, and fourth quarter. Like yeah. they've been a bad football team. Safety, like all these teams that are still involved in it are bad. And so I'm kind of just, I, I, I love the NFL. I'm gonna miss it when it's gone. I'm kind of ready for this season to be over, and let let's just get this draft. Let's get five good new quarterbacks in here, and and get this thing going again. I just want and, some health, right? Like, yeah.
1: like the amount of guys that you know, Kirk Cousins was having a career year. Tears his Achilles. Yeah, obviously Aaron Rodgers. He now his story never even got started uh, with the New York Jets, and he'll be back obviously next year. You'd think it's. It is. It, it, it's it's the quality of that offensive line. Like the the offensive line cannot keep up with these defensive players. Like the defensive ends. Like you're asking them to try and block six six guys that are two hundred and seventy pounds that run a four five. Like yeah. It's it's the position. Like one position advanced, the other position hasn't, and that's right. the offensive line. And obviously, when an offensive line goes down, anybody on that offensive line, you're like that's your starting five. Yeah. And I think you're seeing the teams that don't draft offensive line. Have struggled like Green Bay, for example. They they're plug. They always have a girth of offensive linemen. They just draft them and plug them yeah. in, and they fill in. They've got a, one of the best pass protecting uh, stats in the entire league this year because of it. It's finding that offensive line. Look, you find look at the good teams. You you got a good offensive line. I mean. Miami may be an outlier there, like they've been struggling to try and keep right, but, two up. But they have but
2: a, a quarterback who throws the ball quicker than exactly. any of He gets uh, that ball else, right? out one and a half point second, like one and a yeah. half seconds. It's 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 stupid what he yeah. can do, and it's insane because Tyreek is already forty five yards exactly when he does that. <laughs> um, But I, I think like this, like the, obviously uh, we have playoff races here in the NFL, uh, and then the playoffs are always fun in the National Football mm. League. Although like week one of the playoffs is still like there's a couple I could skip that. Yeah, like Jack, card. Jacksonville <laughs> against Cleveland. It would be a matchup if the playoffs started today. That's I'm probably good not not watching that whole thing. Like, if it was in Cleveland, it would be so much better, but that would be in Jacksonville. It would be in Jacksonville. So, like, obviously, the lead-up to the Super Bowl and then the big game and all of that is going to be fun, but I think this offseason is going to be so fascinating. Like, if Arizona gets the second pick, do they go quarterback and try to move Kyler because they just did that with Rosen? To me, that means, like, quarterback's not the problem in Arizona. No, it's not. Um, so they I, need
1: some weapons, and they need, them, they need an offensive yeah. line. And there
2: is a very yeah. good weapon coming in in yeah. Marvin Harrison yeah. Jr. Do you go that way, or do you trade out of that spot, get five picks, get and Chicago, try
1: to— Get a Chicago-type return. Right, and try, try to rebuild have, that way. You also have Houston's first this year, because they, have, mm-hmm. they got it from Houston drafting and uh, trading back in last year. So. Yeah.
2: So where do they go? Like do, the the Patriots obviously go quarterback, but if someone leapfrogs them, like, I don't think Daniels is the third best player in this draft, but he could go three yeah. because teams are desperate for quarterback. Yeah. And then that leaves Washington on the outside looking in, you know, like what do the Chargers do? It, it just, I, I think this draft is going to be so fascinating after a couple of years where like last year there were quarterbacks involved, but mm-hmm. two years ago <laughs> it was Kenny Pickett um and that was basically it and you've kind of and you come out of that and the jets have a solid foundation and seattle has a solid foundation like i think what we have learned over the last couple of years is that maybe reaching on a quarterback isn't the answer but we're going to forget all of that <laughs> when you you have Chicago and New England and Washington and Tennessee or oh, maybe not Tennessee, but the, the Giants and all these teams drafting at the, the start of the, this draft, like all of that is going to go out the window. Yep. Foundation be damned. I'm going to learn no lessons from Carolina mm-hmm. and just throw, there are going to be some good quarterbacks in bad spots next year. Um, And I just like the team building aspect of it is going to be so interesting to me around the NFL. Like
1: Justin Fields likely probably in a new spot next year, uh, despite him playing a little bit better here down the stretch and the Bears defense picking it up. They're they're probably moving on and they're probably going to take Caleb Williams with that first pick. Yeah, it just it just makes too much sense. Now, Justin Fields is probably the one biggest name out there. I think obviously Kirk Cousins is a free agent. But he's going to probably resign in Minnesota. I just think it, it just makes too much sense. Minnesota's played themselves out of that because they were one and five, yeah. and then Cousins, you know, they got they got healthy and then they got going. They were at five hundred.
2: They played themselves out of, a, of out of one of those top picks. So you, think, yeah. Well, and they're probably a playoff team if Kirk Cousins stays healthy. Yeah, right. Probably like, they're seven and eight right now without him. And Nick um, Mullins has been two games of two weeks in a row that it's on him, yeah. why the Vikings lost. Yeah, I think they win that game again. Like, I'm not high on Detroit at all, um, and so I think they win that game with Kirk Cousins last week, and I, I think they are kind of comfortably mm-hmm. in a playoff spot right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you look at, at Justin Fields, like, if if Justin Fields was the Atlanta quarterback, they've already clinched that division, right? Like, yeah. th- they have everything but the quarterback figured out, and there's a couple of teams who are like that, right? Like, if Fields was the New Orleans quarterback, um, they it probably... could be. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, well Carr... That contract for Carr yeah, is not New Orleans, cuttable. New Orleans is in cap play.
1: hell. Yeah, beyond Carr. It's, but, so it's, yeah, yeah,
2: like it, I, I think there are so many. Like if, if Fields is the Pittsburgh quarterback, they they're a playoff team. Like there there are so many teams that have that foundation built that are a quarterback mm-hmm. away. It's just none of them are drafting high this year. Or you get lucky a third time. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I, nobody a, saw that. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> a Raider fan. I'm looking to get lucky the first time. Uh, <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, that's uh that's your story with the NFL. Uh, week seventeen starts tomorrow. We yeah, football tomorrow. New York Jets, Cleveland Browns. Uh, that's gonna be a loud dog pound. Uh they can have a chance winning your in. It'd yep. be the second time they've gone to the postseason since uh since two thousand three. <laughs> um, or third it'd be the third time in this millennium. Yeah. Yeah. So they've only been back since ninety nine, but it's the third time since two thousand that they'd be going back to the playoffs and with that defense and they have no they've had a Nick Chubb for the majority of this year too. right Like that he's their best player. Yeah. Even like, like Amari Cooper just popped off for two sixty or whatever the hell it was, set the team record for receiving yards, but you know Cleveland's a team that I'm excited to watch uh do a lot of good things and I, it's it all in spite of Deshaun Watson cuz he's not doing any of this no it's all Joe Flacco it's they're much easier to cheer
2: for now much easier. He's <laughs> and the
1: Browns have always been a team that's I've always had a soft spot for them in, in my heart for for sure but then that Watson thing like yeah. this is this is a little bit of a redeeming time uh with Joe Flacco it is a Calgary Flames game day uh they take it on the Seattle Kraken tonight uh congratulations jacob markstrom got married i guess there over the you weekend. go didn't 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 see that saw that got married out in banff that was pretty
2: sweet well, it's a good spot to get
1: married yeah um likely he's probably starting tonight i would imagine i would so, imagine yeah. so uh the flames do not like i said they only have one back-to-back over the next month
2: it is like the, the schedule sets up for a lot of markstrom right like they, yeah. they have this game here then they're off for three before new year's eve against yeah. philadelphia and then it is game on day off game on day off it is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, with like you said, the one Sunday thrown in mm-hmm. um, uh, against the Blackhawks. But then it is Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. The rest of the yeah. month, like it, it is set up perfectly to play almost exclusively Jacob Markstrom. <laughs> I, I think he's going to get a lot of run in, in this next little stretch. I here. think, like, it,
1: we'll, yeah, it'll depend on on like how the the, the team wants to go. I think obviously yeah. Jacob Markstrom gives you. Uh, the best chance, and I think obviously the play in this team is to win as many games as possible and make the playoffs. I think that's still the goal in the house, and whatnot. And obviously, Jacob Marsham gives you that best chance, but yeah, you also don't want you know Dusty Wolf to get too dusty. You don't want to get obviously he'll be playing down in, in, in with the Wranglers, but also Dan Vladar. He needs to get worked in here if you want to showcase yeah. him to, to some other teams. If this is the guy you're going to move, I wonder if 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 a team has already called on on them and they're just not wanting to move him just yet. Right, yeah, I wonder. Um,
2: Or or if the return isn't great, right? Yeah, I think they might be holding
1: out for maybe what they got for, what they sent away for him, probably a third or second. What did they send a third for him, I think, to Boston? eh?
2: I do not remember. Um, But yeah, like, I'm sure there are teams asking, like, hey, a fifth. Um, Because the the cap hit is a little bit higher than you'd want on a a backup goalie. Yeah, it's going to be, I want a
1: guy that's going to have to get a run. Like, another goaltending injury and we've exhausted all of our options at the AHL, like, It does feel like it's getting more and more likely that they will still have the three goalies heading into the offseason. And then from there, they'll make the decision on Vladar.
2: It was a third-round pick for Vladar in the 2022 draft, uh, which ends up being Ben McDonald, for those keeping score. Um, You you don't need to know who Ben McDonald is, for the record. Don't know him yet. Yeah, no. uh, 23 goals uh, with the West Kelowna Warriors of the BCHL. And he has uh, now four points in nine games at harvard Ooh. um but yeah no like i i wonder he is probably going to be the last goalie domino to fall like they're you're waiting for the montreal goalies to go yep. um seeing if nashville does anything with saros like if they start to fall out um he hasn't been quite as sharp lately but like he, he i think ladar if he gets moved it's going to be hey we're half an hour to the deadline and New Jersey still needs a goalie. So mm-hmm. here's Dan Vladar or yeah. something like that, right? Like, I, I think it's going to have to be we'll see what direction Montreal goes with one or two of their guys, and whoever is left without a chair, you, you get Dan Vladar.
1: Yeah. Uh, That'll do it for us. Uh, Thank you, Peter. Uh, Yeah, thank you. you. Thank you, GBP. Thank you, Shan. What you guys got coming up here in the next hour? Uh, With the World Juniors going on, it's kind of giving us a taste of international hockey. I wanted to have a discussion with Shan on what the uh, rosters for... Team Canada or the United States would look like if we had a best on best with NHL players. Oh, ooh. we love those conversations this time of year. It's the best, yeah, best, best uh, talk. Spoiler
2: around. alert: not great for Canada.
1: Goal is not great for yeah. Canada. That is for the sure.
2: US is so good. Well, the US is like it, it's a golden period for the US. Like they, they've like
1: this is the second time in the league's history that the top two goal scorers are American. Mm.
2: First time since ninety eight. Oh wow. Well, Connor will change that at some point here, I think. But yeah. Um, no, like the, the U S team is, would be stacked so mm-hmm. that, it's an interesting discussion so uh, looking forward to you guys chatting about that here in a few minutes.
1: Yeah, that'll do us uh, live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio worried about radon, we install custom mitigation systems, reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Uh, Matt Marchese, Derek Newmeyer, Derek Wills, those interviews will be up on our Spotify, Google, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow we'll have Ross Tucker, we'll have Brent Cron in studio as well and David Amber is going to join us uh, talk a little NHL as well. That's uh, Uh, That's tomorrow, Uh, Flames game day tonight, 6.30 pregame with the Kraken, uh, 7.30 puck drop down at the Dome. Enjoy it, stay safe out there, and uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye.
0: Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog.